Is a native Italian the best choice for a teacher? Maybe not. Ciao, siamo Gabriele e Angelique. Benvenuti nel nostro podcast. We are passionate language learners and we record for you the language learning podcast we'd like to play when we learn new languages. Our podcast in mixed English and simple Italian helps beginners and intermediate Italian language learners enjoy engaging content about Italy, its language and its culture from day zero of their language learning journey. In our previous episode with Heidi, episode 25, she shares with us one of her, her secrets to learning Italian, which is having two types of teachers, one who is native and one who isn't. By having both native and foreign tutors, you get to have the best of both worlds. One who teaches you how Italians speak and another who teaches why Italians have to follow the rules that they do and that don't match your native language's rules. In this episode, we sat down with Kenny, also known as quote-unquote something polyglot on the web. From his nickname, you can tell that his biggest passion is all about languages. We learn about Kenny's life story, we exchange with him our thoughts on language learning and explore the reasons why and when you should consider getting a non-native speaker as your language teacher. Before we proceed with our episode, we'd like to share with you a small announcement. As you may have heard, many are struggling to get back on their feet after the earthquake in Turkey and in Syria. We asked our friend, Oiku, from which you have heard in one of our episodes, to share with us a link, which we provided in the show notes. From there, you can donate your money and help the victims. If you like our podcast, leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and join our Patreon community. Listen now to our conversation and learn how to boost your Italian learning journey with a non-native speaker. Benvenuti a tutti al nostro podcast The Italian Escape. So for today, we have a special guest, uh, and he's Kenny. And I met him accidentally in Twitter. So there's actually this, uh, you know, very active um, language learning community in Twitter. And that's how I found out, like, there are some polyglots or people who are really fascinated in languages and one of them is Kenny and I met him like through Heidi uh, whom we also talked in this podcast and um, it turns out that Kenny also even though he's not Italian teaches Italian so that's also something that we'd like to explore also in today's episode so welcome ten Kenny to our podcast <laughs> okay thanks for having me uh, I think you mentioned Heidi. Heidi is actually one of my students, my Italian yeah. students. She's yeah. studying Italian with me. So that's our connection. Yeah, yeah. He's, she, she told us like so much, well, not so much, but a bit about you. So, uh, mm-hmm. per, per oggi forse è meglio che iniziamo con la tua storia perché non sappiamo tanto di, su te. 
quindi... Ok, dipende un po' che cosa volete sapere, perché è una, una storia di dieci lingue, quindi io parlo dieci lingue, adesso sto imparando la undicesima lingua, il greco, e, uh, ma con l'italiano uh, diciamo che um, io ho fatto un intercambio con, uh, quando stavo al liceo con un paicolo, piccolo paese della Basilicata, Tricarico si chiama, e lì è iniziato un po' l'amore per, per l'italiano, l'Italia e, e in generale per le lingue, penso. E dopo l'università ho studiato qualcosa completamente differente, ma dopo l'università ho iniziato con l'italiano, dopo durante la crisi economica dell'anno 2008, penso, perso il lavoro e ho deciso di fare un'esperienza all'estero, ho fatto eh, il servizio, eh, come si chiama questo, servizio volontario dell'Unione Europea in Italia, a Tricarico, no, Tricarico, a Vicenza, dove ho lavorato per il villaggio dei bambini e lì veramente ho imparato l'italiano perché eh, i bambini parlavano solo italiano e dovevo imparare velocemente l'italiano dopo qualche mese avevo un livello molto alto lì sono rimasto un anno e mezzo ho imparato anche il, il tedesco lì perché avevo tanti colleghi del, della Germania e poi anche il portoghese perché avevo due colleghi che parla, parlavano il portoghese e, um, e dopo sono andato a Roma un anno e mezzo per insegnare inglese e francese e Dopo adesso vivo in Spagna, a Madrid, e insegno eh, adesso in internet, prima, prima della pandemia in una scuola, eh, insegno italiano, francese, inglese, fiammingo e olandese. Questa è un po' la mia storia. È molto interessante. La, mm -hmm. la mia domanda, la, la prima curiosità mm -hmm. che mi è venuta in mente quando... Abbiamo organizzato questa intervista con te. È qualcosa che voglio sempre chiedere mm -hmm. ai, ai poliglotti, which is like, how do you not get confused with all of these languages? And how do you keep up with all of them and not lose one? Okay. Well, you always get confused at the beginning when you start a language. Um, so whenever you're studying a language that's similar to another one, At the beginning, you will, you will use what you know, of course, to fill in the gaps. So you, you refer to the other language. When I started Catalan, I was using uh, Italian, uh, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, and French to fill in the gaps. So in the beginning, it's confusing. Once you reach a high level, I'd say B2, that confusion disappears <clears throat> because you know in what way the, language dif the languages differ. So that mm. becomes uh, easier uh, the, the more you advance. But at the beginning, it's, con yeah, it's all about confusion. But the, so you have to push through and then one, at a certain moment you'll realize, okay, I'm only using that language and I can switch from one to another. I can easily switch from, from a, a Catalan to Spanish to Italian without big, bigger issues. Um, and then maintaining them. So I have my little um, barbatrucco <laughs> uh, and that's, uh, I listen to the news in all my languages every day. So I go to the gym every day, usually around this hour. Um, and then I, I have my Google Assistant and I just say, I ah, play the latest news. And then it starts in Catalan, in Portuguese, in Danish, in English, in French, in Spanish, in uh, Italian. What else is there? Uh, German. 
and that's it, I think. Yeah. So I listen to all these languages at least five, ten minutes a day. Even when I don't use them, I have them every day, which makes it easier to maintain them. Um, but that's only possible, I think, when you already have a high level. I couldn't. I could not say, okay, I'm going to stop with Greek now for a few months, because uh, my level is so low that I would forget most of it. Once you reach a high level, it's it's easier to maintain. I stopped with Portuguese for 10 years, and after 10 years, I just I had gone from B2 to B1. Now I picked it up again, and I'm going again to uh, like a B2 level, rather easily. But you you need a high level to be able to maintain, because otherwise you're going to forget a lot. For sure, when you start over again after a lot of years, it will be easier because you will remember words. It will it, you don't have to put all that information again in your head. It's somewhere over here. But um, it's only when you already have a, a rather high level, I think, in my opinion, that it's easy to maintain by exposing yourself on a, yeah, every day or every week at least a few times. Sì, questo punto che, di cui parli è mm-hmm. un po' la ragione per cui abbiamo creato questo podcast in realtà, mm-hmm. proprio per abbassare il livello necessario per poter ascoltare contenuti mm-hmm. interessanti nella lingua. Mm-hmm. Perché effettivamente per ascoltare le notizie in italiano hai bisogno mm-hmm. di un livello almeno B2 almeno. Sì, sì, sì. Sì, sì. Uh, mentre magari un podcast come, come il nostro quindi con un italiano più semplice e l'inglese che dà il contesto ecco, mm-hmm. uh, magari un B1 è sufficiente oh, sì. A2 uh, A2 no, forse diciamo B1 B1 e, mm-hmm. E fa tanta differenza perché per andare da B1 a B2 c'è tanta fatica in mezzo. Sì, sì, sì. No, no, c'è tanta fatica <ride> e... e spesso e volentieri non c'è... Quando hai un, B... un livello B2 spesso e volentieri puoi utilizzare quello che trovi in internet per persone... Per, per italiani o persone che parlano italiano a un livello avanzato uh, ma quando stai a quel livello B1 a, a volte è difficile io ho un livello B1 in danese ascolto le notizie e pff, dopo tre minuti mi perdo perché di, di che cosa, so di che cosa stanno parlando ma non ho capito veramente se stanno parlando qualcosa di ieri, di oggi o qualcosa che è successo o non è successo quindi non potrei raccontare quello che è successo quindi è un po' difficile anche perché il danese è abbastanza, è abbastanza difficile quindi spesso e volentieri manca un po' quello materiale per chi inizia con una lingua c'è mo- c'è, ci sono sempre molte cose ci sono, perché tante persone iniziano una lingua poi quando stai B1, B2 a volte è un po' difficile perché non capisci ancora tutto o pa- non, non capisci abbastanza per poter Um, per non perdere la motivazione puoi ascoltare un podcast in mezz'ora ma se do- dopo dieci minuti già dici uff, capi- ho capito solo la metà quindi non puoi perdere la motivazione e spesso e volentieri per quel B, il livello B non c'è tanta materiale come per il livello A e il livello C è, cioè, è tutto, tutto che trovi puoi utilizzare, quando yeah. è un livello avanzato puoi trovare di tutto Yeah, like, would you say that uh, there's not that much material in uh, mm-hmm. B1 or A2? Is, mm-hmm. It is very true, and uh, that's why 
we were very motivated to create some of this material, but uh, we didn't we did not uh, meet uh, a lot of positive feedback from the Italian teachers community, mm-hmm. uh, especially from the mother tongue Italian teachers who believe mm-hmm. more into like the study material should be like 100% Italian. And uh, we do not believe that's the case because we think that's something that's very true when you reach like an advanced level. But Mm -hmm. that's really something that is not true when you are a beginner or lower intermediate. What what Mm -hmm. is your opinion on that? What do you think uh, of these? And how how much do you think that being a mother tongue uh, teacher influences the judgment on this topic? Well, in general, so I did a course to teach English. So, and they forced us actually, when we uh, had a lesson, to use exclusively English, only English. So I had a Spanish student who just started with English and you had to explain everything in English. And no, no Spanish was allowed. So when I teach, I have a lot of uh, beginners, especially for Dutch and Flemish. I use a lot of English. To, because it's otherwise it's too it's too difficult. You cannot explain something about grammar immediately in 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 Dutch if it, or in Italian if that person doesn't speak the language. So what I usually do is when I start with someone and uh, uh, at the beginning, oh, there's a lot of English or sometimes Spanish or Italian depending on the mother tongue of my student, and then I, it it gets phased out. But even sometimes at the higher level, sometimes I have to explain something. There is something in Dutch that's extremely difficult, a bit like in Italian, for some people that's something that's extremely difficult, especially, for example, if your mother tongue is Spanish, there is no that doesn't exist, there's no alternative. And you have to introduce something that doesn't exist, very difficult to explain. And sometimes people need to check if people really understand what you're explaining in, in that language, sometimes you have to use another language to check, okay, I, I've, I've explained it now in, in Italian, I'm going to explain it again in English to make sure it's clear. Yeah, because you're not actually, you're not talking about vocabulary, but you're talking about grammar, for example. And even vocabulary sometimes, I often try to explain things in the language. Huh? When there is an, an object, for example, I try to describe it. But sometimes I get stuck because I, I don't have another way to explain. It, so I have to refer to an image or to say ah, in English, it's this, this is the word. So though I, I certainly agree, you have to have your language chip as much as possible in the language. But when you start a language until probably B1 level, it's very difficult, I think, to do that exclusively in, um, in, in the language you're, you're teaching or studying. I'm, I'm studying Greek now. I'm at an A1 level, but uh, 50% of the lesson is in English. Impossible for me to do that exclusively in, in Greek. I, after 30 minutes and it's 50% in, uh, in Greek, I, I have a headache. I cannot have 60 minutes because it's too, it's, it's too much. È troppo, è troppo. Forse è lo, troppo. Si, si può fare quando si vive nel paese. Allora lì è diverso perché tanta comunicazione è non verbale. Sì. Allora sì, 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 è sì. possibile, ma fare la stessa cosa online? Mm, sì. No. sì, ma questo dipende anche dalla persona. Ci sono persone che veramente imparano molto velocemente, sono cap- usano le altre lingue che sanno. È, è completamente differente. Se una persona viene da me, ah, voglio imparare l'italiano, e questa persona parla sp- spagnolo, francese, portoghese, catalano. Eh. 
è un'altra storia perché questa persona può capire tantissimo utilizzando le altre lingue se una persona viene da me che, che è uh, non lo so francese no non francese diciamo un, uh, un tedesco e lui dice ah non parlo inglese voglio imparare l'italiano sarà molto più difficile utilizzare solo l'italiano devi utilizzare il tedesco per spiegare per, per far capire certe cose dipende molto dalla persona dalla situazione del tempo io ho studenti che um, non solo vengono a me per lezioni ma anche studiano ogni giorno quindi avan avanziamo molto più velocemente che una persona o un, 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 uh, un alunno che studia da un anno con me e fa solo come 45 minuti Dopo un anno stiamo dove stiamo e devo ancora utilizzare molto inglese per spiegare perché non fa niente fuori dalla lezione. Hmm. So, yeah, there's, um, I think, what I picked up from this short uh, conversation is that consistency is key. Mm -hmm. And as, like, to improve the, uh, like, to accelerate the language learning process. And as well, people use context switching depending on the knowledge that they have in the pre in the languages that they're more familiar with like for example for me it it 10 years ago i try like i studied in poland for six months so mm -hmm. i was like okay i could try to speak maybe a little bit of polish then mm -hmm. when i tried to look back on my notes like two three months ago i was like i don't understand this anymore and so mm -hmm. i had to start from scratch again And at the beginning, I struggled, but then after I think the third week, I started picking up. But it was only when I, when we traveled to Poland recently that I started to get up, uh, like absorb a bit more like the Polish, even though it was not completely understandable. I kind of knew what they were saying. So it was like, it's better. Maybe it's faster for people who are living in the country that they Uh, want to master the language but at the same time if you also don't put up put on the effort mm -hmm. on learning the language as well you won't just absorb the language <laughs> which yeah mm -hmm. yeah um so yeah i have a c1 level in catalan but i, I don't live I, don't, i live in madrid nobody speaks catalan here but i i I did everything in Catalan. I listened to music, I, I read the radio, um, the news, the television. So it's possible to learn a language even if you're not living in uh, a, a region or a country where it's spoken. It's also completely possible to live in a country and not speak the language. And there are people here in Madrid who have been living here for 10 years and only use and speak English. So it depends very much on your willingness to learn a language and that's possible even if you don't live in the country uh, and it's perfectly possible to not speak the language especially if you speak english because uh, english you can get by with english almost um, everywhere so it depends very much on your motivation your willingness the energy you want to put in and also your personal situation if you're married to somebody who speaks the language yeah it becomes a tad more i was married to an italian so that's Yeah, that helped me a lot because in every situation I had to use um, Italian. My Spanish, I have been living now for six years in Spain, but I still have some difficulties sometimes because I, I never had an, a Spanish partner, for example. Uh, so, or if you have a Spanish family, a Spanish friends, uh, for example, it, it becomes way more easy. Depends on your personal situation. I teach languages. But I hardly use Spanish. Sometimes I have a Spanish-speaking students where I can use my Spanish. 
but if you have colleagues, of course, who speak the language and you hear at work the language, it becomes way more, it becomes easier because of your personal situation. If you are married to uh, somebody, I have a couple uh, students from, uh, they're studying Dutch, but it's a Romanian couple and at home they speak Romanian, at work they speak English. So their level of Dutch after years of study is is good, but don't ask them how to how you call a, a, a knife or a plate in Dutch because they don't know it. They're able to explain the political situation in in Belgium or in Romania, but not how they how to ask for a spoon in a restaurant. Sì, sono le cose che impari solo quando vivi mm -hmm. o con una persona del posto o proprio nel posto. Mm -hmm. Sì. Eh sì. Eh, eh, se uno ti chiedesse se una persona, uh -huh. uno studente ti chiedesse qual è il vantaggio di studiare con un insegnante non madrelingua rispetto a un madrelingua ci sono secondo te dei vantaggi o, o è uguale mm. eh, oppure no è meglio il madrelingua sempre e comunque um, dipende un po' un po' della persona perché la, la cosa che è molto importante è che tu non perdi la motivazione ci sono persone che dopo la lezione hai più motivazione che prima anche se hai avuto una ora che era molto difficile dopo ti senti più motivato e per questo non devi essere nativo no dipende dalla persona poi um, ci sono due cose che eh, il vantaggio di una persona non nativa è che questa persona ha dovuto imparare la lingua a volte sa molto meglio eh, la grammatica e soprattutto quando inizi con una lingua queste persone spesso non ut utilizzano le, le parole che si, si usano eh, di più. Una persona nativa a volte non sa questa parola è un po di, di che, che livello è questa parola. Una, parola che dovuto, una persona che ha dovuto imparare la lingua sa che in inglese per esempio c'è to buy e to purchase. Una persona nativa usa tutti e due, anche se to buy è di un livello più basso e una persona che ha dovuto imparare l'inglese sa, ok, questo con una persona che ha un livello più basso uso to buy, dopo con questa persona ha un livello più alto vado a utilizzare to purchase, per esempio. Poi dipende un po' di che cosa vuoi, se, vuoi, se stai vivendo nel paese è molto interessante una persona nativa, ma anche molto, molto interessante una persona, una persona che vive nel, nel posto dove vivi tu. Se tu stai, se vivi a Milano, è anche interessante una persona di Milano, che è l'accento di, di Milano, che usa parole, che usa, adesso non so, c'è Anguria e Cocomero, è una è del nord e l'altra è del sud, o Brioche e Cornetto, per esempio, o se io, se io il, il mio ex era di, uh, di Salerno, e io chiedevo un caffè liscio, e mi chiedevano, ma che, che cos'è questa cosa, un caffè liscio? Perché a Vicenzo, quando chiede un caffè liscio, è un caffè senza zucchero e senza latte. E questo, queste cose, se vivi in un posto, è molto interessante avere un, un insegnante del posto, non necessariamente una persona eh, nativa, perché eh, il, una persona in Napoli non parla come una persona di, di Vicenza, per esempio. Penso che questo, quando hai un livello molto alto, e vuoi ancora migliorare e vivi nel paese e vuoi integrare nella società è interessante anche avere una persona del posto non, è, non solo una persona nativa ma una persona che vive lì e sa spiegare certe cose o le differenze tra ok l'italiano standard così ma qui diciamo questa parola questa struttura yeah. well, they say that, um, um, 
local can give you something more that only mm -hmm. a local can give you. It's very true, but and it's also very true as you said that this is uh, useful when your level is already high. Mm -hmm. um, I think, in my opinion, and I'd like to know yours, that mm -hmm. actually beginning the language learning journey uh, with a non-native is much better. Mm -hmm. um, like personally, I had this experience uh, when I study Chinese and I have a teacher, and mm -hmm. um, I would say my level in Chinese is lower intermediate. Um, but uh, when I try to build a sentence, she usually corrects me because it's not exactly how she would say it, mm -hmm. but that makes the language uh, journey, language learning journey, much more, I'd say, uh, tiring. You know, mm -hmm. because it's um, I don't really care to sound like a native when I'm a lower intermediate. I just want to be sure that what I'm saying kind of makes sense. Yeah, and, and it's hard. Mm -hmm. I think it's much harder for a native to understand this, to understand that uh, uh, what a learner a beginner intermediate learner cares about is not to sound like a native but to get better mm -hmm. and uh, yeah so yeah I th yeah i think it depends a bit on on the, what the student wants or expects so here in in spain for example people only want native speakers it's very important it doesn't matter if they're teachers if they have experience native speakers for english uh, but I've, I've, I've heard people here, native speakers, are not able to explain what the difference is between an article and a verb. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so that's very, yeah. Depends a bit on what your goal is. For me personally, I speak Spanish at a high level, but I have an extremely strong Italian accent. Everybody thinks I'm Italian. <laughs> I don't really care because my goal is that people understand me. So for me, it's way more for me, it's more interesting that people that a teacher explains me. Okay, this is the sentence structure. For example, this is a, that the person is able to explain grammar. That's way more interesting and important for me than uh, having a native accent. Or for me personally, I live in a neighborhood with a lot of people from uh, all over Latin America. So for me, it's important to be able to understand them and that they understand me. So then a native speaker or not is not so important at the beginning when you start a language it might be yeah i think it might be interesting to have a non-native speaker but it depends very much on on the teacher the person so you have great teachers who are able to adapt their level um so you have to adapt your level to the student you have you have teachers i have a greek teacher now and she's not adapting her level to mine as a native speaker but it's, it's, it's not working out because she's not adapting her level to mine. Uh, and I think, so it's for an, a non-native speaker, it's, it's way easier to lower uh, their level. To, to, and, th and I think that's what a lot of students are looking for is somebody who adapts to them, where you feel like, okay, I'm learning something, but it's not too difficult. It's a bit, it's a bit difficult. While with native speakers, sometimes I have the, uh, the idea that they're not able to speak as if they were talking to a baby it's very difficult for them i think they feel like okay maybe they feel like okay i'm i'm i'm, I'm this is too ridiculous or something while for somebody who had to learn the language is way more it's easier because it, i think we remember how it was we were in those stages we went through those stages more recently they, than them when they were yeah children or babies secondo te è consigliato che ognuno 
deve imparare più di uno tre lingue uh, le lingue che usano tipo madrelingue per capire like to you know to learn again how it is to have a beginner's mind for me personally yes uh, so i have one student who struggles a lot so i have to slow down i have to explain things five times uh, that's exactly what my greek teacher is doing with me so i for me it's easier to like for example english for me sometimes it's very difficult for me to understand that english is a difficult language because it's like almost native for me i i use it all every day i i think in english i I, I don't use subtitles when I watch uh, do something in English. I have friends with my friends. I speak in English on Twitter is almost exclusively in English. So sometimes it's very difficult to realize how, how difficult this language can be. It's And then I need, for me personally, I need to be, I think that's one of the reasons I'm always learning a new language to to experience how my my students feel when they are struggling to understand, yeah, but I'm struggling too. This is normal. Because I think once you speak a language at a, at a high level, it's very difficult to remember how difficult the language was. I always thought English was an easy language. Then I started teaching the, it to, to Spanish speakers. And then you, I suddenly discovered, yeah, this orthography in English is, what, 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 what happened here? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Um, so I think it's very important to, 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 to be a student yourself. That's very important, I think. Not necessarily a, um, a beginner student, but you have to be a student yourself, I think. For me personally, it's very important to be able to be a good teacher. So uh, that's why when I look, I have a lot of uh, teachers. I switch uh, easily. Uh, the two things I check is, do they speak other languages? Because that, that adds something um, to the teaching. And uh, are they stu studying an, another language at the moment? Because I feel then that it's easier to understand the student when you're all also as, um, as a teacher, when you're also a student yourself. Yeah, that's true. And also, I think for an average person, like, for example, when I went to Europe, um, I knew that most of my classmates did not speak English that well. So mm -hmm. I actually took a step back and made my like the speed on uh, like the, my conversational speed is much slower that's why mm -hmm. like compared to an average um american speaker or british or someone from the uk like they talk too fast and they never understood why the others struggle to understand mm -hmm. them and the impression they always get are like oh they speak too fast mm -hmm. yeah. yeah well when i don't understand something here in in spain what people do, they just repeat the exact same thing as fast as, as the first time. While when somebody tells me, I, 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 sorry, I didn't get you, whatever I do, I slow down. I maybe change a few words and make it an, an easier word so the other person might understand it the second time. While here, often in Spain, I have to ask a third time, can you repeat it another time? Because I, I still didn't get it. It was too fast. Because as a teacher, you should have that, that um, I don't know how to explain it. The, 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 you have to f feel, understand when the student is not getting it and you have to adapt. Yeah. You have to adapt your level to the student. When I have a new student, the first thing I say, okay, we'll check what your level is now and I'll adapt, don't worry, I'll adapt my level to your level. And it's very important in language learning that you adapt your level to the student's level because then that's the moment the student also can learn new stuff. And because when, when everything is clear, you can add extra information. 
well, when there's too, when it's too fast, when it's too difficult, the student is not going to get anything. My last lesson of Greek was exactly that. I knew when it was going on, I'm not going to remember anything because there are too many difficult words. It's too fast. So I have to send a message to my teacher like we cannot go on like this because it's, it was too fast. I, didn't, I don't remember anything because she didn't adapt her level to mine. <laughs> Mi piace come questa intervista è diventata una, una discussione su come scegliere il proprio insegnante di lingue e, e, e su sfatare il mito, so to debunk the myth, mm -hmm. che avere un insegnante in madrelingua è sempre e comunque la cosa migliore. Which is not no. true, as we discuss now, but mm. it's really a myth in the industry. Uh, yeah. And many students are fooled by this myth that they need to have native speaker as a teacher e in questo modo hanno rischiano di avere un'esperienza di apprendimento meno, meno ricca e meno efficace sì. uh, mm -hmm. è importante sì. per, per me ma per noi sfatare questo mito perché sì. eh, ci sono tanti bravissimi insegnanti di lingue che fanno tanta fatica perché vengono sempre messi in secondo, al secondo posto uh, dal marketing dei, dei madrelingua. So it's like, uh, they're, mm -hmm. they're always like uh, pushed back by this idea that native speakers, teachers are the best, which is not the case. So it's really yeah. important, I think, to spread this awareness that yeah. uh, uh, especially when you're learning, when you're beginner or intermediate, you need to look at what the teacher can give you in terms of uh, his multilingual experience, in terms of his teaching experience, in terms of uh, mm -hmm. yeah. his character, his method, and not that much whether it's he's an, he's or she is a native speaker or not. So that's very important, I think, right, Angie? Mm. Yeah, that's true. And that, well, that made me chuckle a bit, like laugh, <laughs> because I remember there are so many people that give in to this intensive language schools like in mm -hmm. Italy, so the ones in Florence, the ones in Rome, maybe, like they offer, oh, you're going to be fluent in Italian in six weeks. Oh, okay. <laughs> or six like, weeks, yeah. Or okay. like, you have the whole summer to learn Italian. And I think a lot of Americans give in to that idea and sign up for that. But I don't know how effective it is because they only speak, they're like, oh, it's guaranteed you're going to speak Italian because we're just going to teach you in Italian, blah, 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 blah. Something like that. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I must be very stupid because I've been learning Greek for an entire year. I'm still not fluent. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, yeah, in, in uh, internet, you would do a clickbait where you see then uh, learn. There was somebody who, who made a video, how I learned Italian in one week. And was that? Yeah. So one, it's, it's impossible. You cannot learn a language in, in one week maybe in one year that's possible if you live in the country if you're exposed to the, the country to the language all, all all day long and if it's a language that's not too difficult based on uh, your previous knowledge and your mother tongue then maybe in one year that's that's maybe possible but in six weeks yeah in six weeks yeah you can order a coffee and you can ask for a spoon in a restaurant yeah exactly like i was timing myself how many how much polish i could do or speak 
like in 24 hours because I was like, okay, I, I, let's be realistic. I have other stuff to do during the week. I cannot mm -hmm. dedicate too much time learning Polish. So mm -hmm. let's say 24 hours. So that's roughly like uh, two hours for 12 weeks or something like that. And I did it and I could barely do a conversation. So I was like, okay, I'm not fluent at all. So all these people who were trying to say in a week, maybe t not sleeping, I don't know, like in a week learning Italian, in a week learning Spanish, yeah. no. <laughs> no, also because your brain has to rest, your brain has to like assimilate. You cannot, um, you can do an, a very intense course, um, maybe 20 hours a week, six weeks long, but that's a lot. Uh, that's the after after one month after one month you're yeah you're knackered you don't have any energy left i think you might lose your motivation also if you were to say okay now go to greece and do six weeks 20 20 hours a week i would i would lose i think i would lose my motivation because it's too much and you need breaks i i learn uh, multiple languages at the same time also because that allows me to switch from one language to another because after a after an hour, I, I say, okay, this is enough. One hour of Greek, I've, I've had it, I want to do something else. So I switch to another language. And that's a bit the same with everybody who learns a language. I think after, after a certain amount of time, I, I can see it, my students, I teach one hour at minute 50, they're like, ooh, let, please let me go. <laughs> because it's, some, it's, too, it's too much, it's very intense. That's, your, your brain needs, needs a break, a break to assimilate. This is a bit like going to the gym. They advise you not to go every day and do the same exercises because otherwise it's not good for your body and your your brain is a bit the same I think uh, your brain needs time to assimilate to um, to absorb the new information and then okay up the next day uh, you start all over again and uh, you continue but not I would I would never do like 24 hours in, in or like even like four or five hours of study in one day with the same language I would lose my motivation I think Yeah. Sì, decisamente. Eh, forse se vivi, se vai nel paese è più semplice perché sei più motivato e la soglia di ore al giorno è un po' più alta, però sì, è vero. Sì, ma anche quando vivi nel paese non è, non è studiare, se stai ascoltando, stai vedendo qualcosa, stai camminando, senti l'italiano per esempio, quindi è molto, c'è molto varietà. Stai, se stai a casa con un libro 5 ore... Questo no, questo è, sì, è troppo. Cioè. E, um, forse come ultima domanda, visto che mm -hmm. stiamo avendo una discussione molto interessante su, sul modo migliore per, diciamo, per imparare la lingua e scegliere un insegnante, uh, cosa ne pensi uh, dell'uso delle nuove tecnologie per imparare una lingua, dell'intelligenza artificiale, di questi traduttori automatici? Um, su questo due domande per te una, secondo te il fatto che prima o poi ci saranno dei traduttori automatici diminuirà la voglia di imparare una lingua e due mm. uh, invece come queste tecnologie possono aumentare la motivazione e la facilità per imparare una lingua so like uh, just so how mm -hmm. these technologies can uh, help you learn a language and will or will not reduce the motivation because you won't need to know the language anymore to like yeah italian well, or english whatever you I, want <laughs> yeah I, i i think we're very far away from like in star trek you could they had something on their 
on their uh, suit and and then instantly it, it got translated what the other species uh, told them um, i think i'm very far away from that if you check google translate the translations they it, it produces it's still after i don't know how long it is 20 years it's still it's, it's still a disaster uh, only if it's very small sentences that then it works but i think what's very important one of the reasons why you learn a language is because you want to communicate with people if you go to a country and then instead of using english or they use their language you you can see the people they, they start smiling they open up they invite you so in some country they invite you oh you speak the language come and <laughs> let's have a coffee or come uh, you can share uh, a meal with me so i think I think it will be very difficult to, to change that. That somebody will say, okay, with, 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 with the device instantly, it's going to be translated. But when you really, when you learn the language, you're able, you, if you've made that effort to learn the language, it will open doors, I think. Having said that, I think probably in a business setting, they will use more and more like instant translations or something. But of course, when you are talking about a contract or when, to, to, to network, to make connections with people is also an, an important. Eh? The small talk is very important. Eh? How, how's your wife? Or uh, did you see that uh, football game? These small things, I think it will be still important to, to, to speak the language. It will be easier. I've seen, I've, I've had met, I've been in uh, very, a lot of um, situations where because I spoke the language, it was easier. People opened up. Uh, people were friendlier. Uh, I, th I don't think that's ever going to to change or not in the, in the short term, not in our lives. And then I think it will be probably easier to learn a language. There are a lot of applications to learn a language and sometimes they are okay, but they're not wonderful. Probably they will get better. But also I think it, they will get better first for the main languages, English, Spanish, Chinese, before for the smaller ones. For the smaller ones, for example, I speak Belgian Dutch there's hardly anything on the market for Belgian Dutch. That's why I have a lot of work because um, students are looking for somebody who can help them with something that's not on the market. So probably for English, um, they will launch new things that will make it easier, artificial intelligence or something, a robot you, you're talking to, but it will never be perfect and it will always be the standard form of the language probably. Uh, if, if you move to Dublin and you wanna learn um, Irish English, yeah, there's not a, there are not a, there are not many applications. There are no applications I think that offer that variety of uh, so for the standard form there will they will invent some things that will make it easier to 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 communicate in in in, in standard language or maybe international English, but then for the varieties there will be a lot of things that are not. Uh, not available through on, on the internet or artificial intelligence because those Google Translate is very great to translate but the pronunciation yeah pronunciation is something yeah probably received pronunciation or American English but if you live in Houston Texas nobody speaks general uh, general American English or if you live in, in in Australia it's another accent so for that the variations I think we're far 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 away from uh, being replaced, the teacher to replace the teachers by art artificial intelligence or um, or, or, or um, 
or not it, it not ma making it interesting anymore to to learn a language because to communicate to really connect with people you can communicate with people if you want to connect with people it's very interesting if you speak the language and it's even more interesting if it's their version of the language it's great to speak spanish in buenos aires but if you speak with an argentinian accent it will open up more doors than um, when it's spanish or yeah when you speak english people will say okay yeah sono d'accordo però è anche vero che bisogna essere diciamo davvero bravi nella lingua per poter usufruire di questi vantaggi mm -hmm. uh, Mentre per chi inizia o comunque a un livello intermedio, tante volte, diciamo, non è così, non è così forte, soprattutto in un contesto d'affari, no? Dove eh, mm -hmm. avere un livello B1 a volte non viene considerato utile, no? E, mm. e questo secondo me influenza anche la motivazione, no? Perché sai che... Uh, parlo per me per esempio nel cinese io so che o raggiungerò un livello molto alto oppure uh, sostanzialmente lo studio solo per piacere personale perché non ha un valore diciamo sul mercato e questo un po' diminuisce la mia motivazione no? perché mm. so che diciamo è solo una passione sì um, sì per questo io imparo le lingue fino al livello B2 il minimo De, perché lì è il livello dove posso avere una conversazione con qualcuno, una persona nativa, una persona che ha un livello molto alto senza che devo cercare, come si dice questo, uh, il passato, prossimo, co, come era adesso, posso avere una conversazione dove non devo fermarmi, per questo un livello B2, il problema ovviamente, questo è un problema per tante persone ma non per me, è che devi correre un maratono per arrivare fino al B2, non puoi arrivare al B2 in un mese, quindi Uh, devi veramente impegnarti per arrivare a quel livello detto questo se hai una lingua se studi solo una lingua arrivare al B2 si puoi concentrarti su quel livello impegnarti e è possibile in un anno dipende dalla lingua forse due anni arrivarci ma vuol dire che devi veramente impegnarti e studiare ogni giorno eh, con un libro e ascoltare sì, eh, devi veramente impegnarti e quando non hai il tempo è normale che ci vuole, eh, ci vuole più tempo per arrivarci. E non è io non ho mai detto che imparare una lingua è facile, non lo dirò mai. Può essere più facile per tante persone perché non sanno bene che utilizzare uh, o come studiare una lingua, ma non è, non è facile. Ci sono persone che si preparano per correre una maratona, anche questo non è facile. È un po' la stessa cosa, devi impegnarti. O persone che vanno in palestra all'inizio, è difficile ma dopo un po' diventa una, una routine è un po' puoi arrivare a un livello alto ma devi impegnarti come se, se vuoi correre una maratona non puoi dire ah, oggi inizio e in un mese c'è la, la maratona di Londra e voglio correre 42 km eh no ci vuole tempo non è così facile Angie eh no, certo. hai ancora qualche domanda o uh... We wrap up. I think we can wrap up. Okay, so this talk has been extremely interesting, at least for me. Okay. And no, no, uh, for me too. Thanks for having me. And so, um, for uh, our, whoever among our listeners who might be interested in trying you out as a teacher, when can they find? Where can they find you? And uh, mm -hmm. how can they reach uh, out to you? 
I have my own website, www.somethingpolygot.com. That's my website. There you have my social media if you want to chat with me. I'm very active on Twitter, but I'm also on Instagram. So and uh, on my website, you have all the information. Okay, okay. And so, people can book lessons directly in that website, I think. Yeah, you can book directly on the website. There's also a link to my uh, profile. I work on a platform called uh, italki. So there I also have uh, my, uh, my profile and there you can also book uh, lessons. Perfect. So thanks again, dear listeners, for bearing with us with this, um, you know, very interesting conversation about uh, language learning, about not being, uh, not having the need to ha to look for a non-native, uh, to, to look for a native speaker when it comes to learning a language and so on. So thank you again, Kenny, for joining us uh, in this episode. <laughs> No, this was wonderful. Uh, switching between Italian and English is something I, <laughs> I love switching between languages. So this was a great interview for me also. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks to you. Okay, grazie mille. Grazie. grazie. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.